Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, The 50th Stolen State Hawaii, where I'll teach you about how American imperialism, European missionaries, and the patriarchy have culturally appropriated and reshaped Polynesian culture into a whitewashed party theme and other forms of objectified commodities. Examples include the quote-unquote Hawaiian party theme, quote-unquote Hawaiian shirts, tiki, the dashboard hula girl, and unfortunately, many more. First, let me introduce myself. My name is Adrian McNeil. I'm graduating from the University of Hawaii at Manoa with a bachelor's in American studies and a certificate in French. Side note, this podcast series is a contribution towards my graduation, but I do plan on continuing this series. All right, let's dive into the topics. The first episode will be a basic intro of Hawaii's illegal annexation. In the second episode, I will go over how the evolution of the supposed Tropics is Paradise theme has reframed ki'i or more commonly referred to as tiki culture in the eyes of the American conscience. In my third episode, I will go over how the dashboard hula girl souvenir overtly contributes to sexualizing hula, the attitudes of cis constructed in society, heterosexual American military men, and European missionaries fetishize Kanakamali women and their cultural practices, the mass manufacturing of tiki culture and dashboard hula girls resulted from racist, Eurocentric, and Americanized representations of Kanakamali culture and history. First, let me start by saying this topic is one that I'm constantly learning from, so in no way, shape, or form am I saying that I'm an expert on this topic. I'm creating these episodes to express awareness of the misrepresented history of Kanakamali. If you don't know any or some Kanakamali history, Stay tuned. Hawaii, similar to every state in the United States, is stolen indigenous land. Hawaii is misrepresented by a romanticized vacation escape, but the harsh reality is how this quote-unquote perfect vacation for some, war in America, has left Kanakamali homeless and houseless. Alright, so as I mentioned previously, this episode will begin with a brief personal background to introduce myself further and how I came to learn about Hawaii. I will then share how Eurocentrism and American settler colonialism have transformed the islands and have worked to destroy and steal the land, language, and culture of Kanakamali. Before I mention anything further, I would like to define a term you will hear throughout my episodes. The most common term I will use is Kanakamali. Nono Silva defines Kanaka as a person, and Mali refers to real, true, original, indigenous. So, if you hear Kanakamali, remember that they are native Hawaiian people. Now I will go over how I came to learn about Hawaii myself. I grew up in a small town in Northern California named Healdsburg. So, my textbooks and teachers taught me that Hawaii became a state, and that's it. Not to mention the fact that when I did take U.S. and world history at Healdsburg High School, my teachers those two years had other personal circumstances for their absences, but because those two teachers had other situations to handle, my classmates and I had a variety of substitutes during those two years. I believe it was almost like 10 different substitutes. So yeah, we didn't learn anything. My education consisted of history which was extremely biased towards white America. I was also raised in a Christian household, so the values I was taught as a child were warped around Christianity and Eurocentric ideologies rather than indigenous practices. Upon my arrival to university, my idea for life was just to become a mom and a wife. When I was in the dorms, I met some of my closest friends and they completely changed my mindset. I felt like growing up in a small town with white Republican Christian parents trapped me in this bubble of false heteronormative reality. 
Although I wasn't religious at a younger age, I was too shy as a teenager to ever rebuttal. So that's kind of what this podcast is for, just the beginning of many conversations. Now I've researched the destructive mindsets of modern day Christianity, aka the reality of mission trips and enforcing Christianity on people with other beliefs and practices. I mean, Christian mission trips are a form of neocolonialism. Anyway, along with my Christian upbringing, my education in Healdsburg never brushed upon the oppression and colonization of Kanakamali. I was taught that Hawaii became a state, and that's it. My education in Healdsburg never brushed upon the oppression and colonization of Kanakamali. When I moved to Oahu for university, I met the most amazing people, including my friend Brylan Iwohi, who won the first runner-up and the Hawaiian Language Award at the 2016 Mary Monarch Miss Aloha Hula competition. For those who haven't heard of the Mary Monarch Miss Aloha Hula competition, let me explain the cultural significance real quick. As mentioned on their website, the competition honors King David Kalakaua. He was known as the Mary Monarch. He was a patron of the arts, especially music and dance. Kalakaua almost single-handedly restored Hawaiian culture, including storytelling and hula, which had been forbidden by European missionaries for over 70 years. Unfortunately, Christian missionary beliefs sexualized the traditions of hula and forbade Kanakamali from speaking their native Hawaiian language. Since ancient Hawaiians had no written language, all communication beyond the spoken word took place in the form of chants and the dance called hula. Hula and its accompanying oli, the Hawaiian word for chants, recorded Hawaiian genealogy, mythology, and prayers of the heart and mind. Hula was how the culture, history, stories, and almost every aspect of Kanakamali life was expressed and passed down through generations. So, for my friend Brylan Iwohi, this is among the highest honors to achieve within the Hula community. I will go over more of the beautiful history of the traditions of Hula in my third episode, so stay tuned. Anyway, when Brylan began telling me about the beautiful history that embodies Hawaiian land and culture, I was utterly shocked that I had never heard any form of this history. Unfortunately, my image of Hawaii was brainwashed by American media, travel brochures, and Christian ideologies. As Brylan kindly educated me, I began thinking about how messed up it was that I didn't know this, not to mention the fact that I had been taught strange and even racist ideas of what Hawaii is since elementary school. To explain the ignorance of my town, one of my elementary school's dance themes was quote-unquote Hawaiian, which resulted in a party filled with plastic flower lays, tikis, torches, grass skirts, coconut bras, and many more colonial fantasies of Hawaiian culture. As a child, I never understood the impact of this party theme. On the continent, Hawaii is introduced as a paradise vacation hotspot, but there's little recognition of the impact of American settler colonialism and statehood for Hawaii. Hawaii's statehood paved the way for tourism to thrive, resulting in national and global corporations profiting from Kanakamali people, culture, and their land. But how did this statehood come about? Without searching it on Wikipedia, do you know what happened off the top of your head? Not to mention the fact that when I did take U.S. and world history at Healdsburg High School, my teachers those two years had other personal circumstances for their absences. Because those two teachers had other situations to handle, my classmates and I had a variety of substitutes, 10 different substitutes. So yeah, we didn't learn anything. Unfortunately, I didn't even hear the name Queen... Queen unfortunately, I, unfortunately, I didn't even need... Unfortunately, I didn't even hear the name Queen Liliuokalani. Unfortunately, I didn't even need. Unfortunately, I didn't even hear the name Queen Liliuokalani until I moved here. 
Unfortunately, I didn't even hear the name Queen Lily Okalani until I moved here. My education in Healdsburg never went into depth. Not to mention the fact that when I did take U.S. and world history at Healdsburg High School, my... Not to mention the fact that when I did take U.S. and World History at Healdsburg High School, my teachers those two years had other personal circumstances for their absences, but because those two teachers had other situations to handle, my classmates and I had a variety of substitutes during those two years. I believe it was almost... Unfortunately, I didn't even hear the name Queen... Queen... Unfortunately, I... Unfortunately, I didn't even need... Unfortunately, I didn't even hear the name Queen Lily O'Cal... Unfortunately, I didn't even need... Unfortunately, I didn't even hear the name. Not to mention the fact that when I did take U.S. and World History at Healdsburg High School, my teachers those two years had other. Per Not to mention the fact that when I did take U.S. and World History at Healdsburg High School, my teachers those two years had other personal circumstances for their absences. But because those two teachers had other situations to handle, my classmates and I had a variety of substitutes during those two years. I believe it was almost. Not to mention the fact that when I did take U.S. and World History at Healdsburg High School, my teachers those two years had other personal circumstances. Alright, pardon my French, but here's a really fucked up part. A group of five men, Castle and Cook, C. Brewer, American Factors, Theo H. Davies, Alexander, and Baldwin, also known as the Big Five, exerted political influence on the Hawaiian monarchy to grant exclusive rights to Pearl Harbor. The Big Five recognized Pearl Harbor as a key part of the Pacific Ocean for the American military. From this, the tariff on importing sugar decreased. On June 30th, 1887, a group of white settlers, planters, and businessmen who had their fortunes in Hawaii put a gun to King Kalakaua, threatening him with death unless he signed the bayonet constitution that removed powers from the monarch. The infamous Bayonet Constitution of 1886 materializes the American and European forced political influences on the Hawaiian monarchy. These actions forced King Kalakaua to cede a significant portion of sovereign power over to the Big Five in particular. When his sister, Queen Liliokalani, became Mo'i, one in whom is supreme authority, she moved to create a new constitution that would re-establish native Hawaiian sovereign rule of the kingdom and re-enfranchise those, including Asian settlers, who had been disenfranchised by race and class exclusions by the Bayonet Constitution. Queen Liliokalani did what any leader of their Lahui group of people would do, reinstate authority over her own home. The white oligarchy, supported by the U.S. Marines from the USS Boston, overthrew her and imprisoned her in her own home. She was incarcerated in a room in Iolani Palace for eight months. She and others protested with what is now called the Kuwait Petitions, which had 38,000 signatures, over 90% of Kanakamali population at that time. Then, by 1897, the U.S. Congress voted against a treaty of the annexation of Hawaii. However, once the Spanish-American War started in 1898, Hawaii's position became vital for American military advantage. Due to their position in the Pacific, a joint resolution passed through the U.S. Congress in which Hawaii became a part of the United States. By doing this, Congress illegally illegally bypassed international treaty law and unilaterally attached the islands to the continent by fiat with no democratic process. 
The Kingdom of Hawaii shouldn't be a part of the United States in general. The Kingdom of Hawaii, ruled by King Kalakaua, was unjustifiably overthrown. The results of statehood and the attitudes of the American military and tourism have resulted in a complete cultural invasion and devaluation. After establishing statehood, deeper forms of cultural degradation continuously ripple through the commodification of Kanakamali culture. Hawaii is now seen as a tourist destination, a part of the American empire facilitating American military and tourists while Kanakamali fight for their right for their land. Parallel to the history I mentioned in this episode, I highly recommend these three books. Detours by Hokulani Keakau and Bernadette Gonzalez, Securing Paradise by Bernadette Gonzalez, and Aloha Betrayed by Nono K. Silva. All three books provide a detailed analysis of the history of Hawaii before the American military occupation. American military occupation and tourism diminish the lives, land, and culture of Kanaka Maui. I will go into more detail about this within my next episode. So grab whatever you need and join me on my next episode to understand how Kanakamali culture has been commercialized into an American party theme and aesthetic as a form of escapism.